0: Good morning. Can you turn with me, please, if you have your Bibles, to the last chapter in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 31? They say last words are important, and the title of this one is the epilogue, means the last words, and a wife of noble character, starting at verse 10 in Proverbs 31. A wife of noble character who can find... She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands and she is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark and provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it, and out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously, her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that she is trading that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy when it snows. She has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with the sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness and her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised, give her the reward she has earned. Let her works bring her praise at the city gate. This is the word of the Lord. Um my my mum always said I was a little bit Stubborn in,
1: uh, as a child. I saw it more as I was determined. She saw it more as a little bit stubborn. And uh, one time I do remember was when I wanted to get a bodyboard. All my mates were bodyboarders, they all um, went surfing, and I wanted to get a bodyboard. Now, they'd been doing it for quite some time. They're quite accomplished swimmers. And as a 15 year old, I, I remember just digging my, deal, my heels in deep saying, Mum, i got to get a bodyboard. I have to get this bodyboard. I've got to go out surfing with my friends. And I wasn't a strong swimmer. I knew I wasn't a strong swimmer. Mum definitely knew I wasn't a strong swimmer. Um, but I, I, I thought I'd be all right with a bodyboard underneath me and with flippers, because flippers will save you from anything, obviously. Um, <laughs> I'll I'd be, I'd be able to outswim the sharks, because I'll have flippers. That'll be fine. Um, uh, so, So... Mum, she, she's very gracious, my mum. She's just a, a, the most beautiful mum in the world. Um, I finally wore her down enough for her to go, yeah, she can get a bodyboard. Anyway, so it was great. So it wasn't long after I finally got this bodyboard that uh, my mate Nigel from footy and I, um, our mums took us to Woolamai Beach in uh, um, uh, on Phillip Island. Now, if you know Woolamai, I heard, yeah, Woolamai is treacherous. If you don't swim within the flags, you will be taken out in a rip. It is It is quite an art Surf beach if you don't really know what you're doing. And obviously, Nigel and I didn't know what we were doing. Uh, we, didn't, we hadn't learnt about rips at this stage. And so we were out surfing, we could see where the waves were. Thought, right, we'll go there, that's great. Um, Nigel had never surfed before. I was a novice, and but I had flippers. He didn't, he had a surfboard. So I thought, I'll be right, I'll have to just look after Nigel. We start heading towards the waves, and lo and behold, we got caught in a rip. And the rip just started to, well, we didn't know, if you, if you have never been caught in a rip before, you don't fight a rip, because the rip rips will win. So we're just trying to swim in, and this rip's just taking us out. So we're just just paddling, paddling. I had flippers, so I wasn't doing so bad. He didn't have flippers, so he was struggling. But just struggling, struggling, struggling against this rip, and it kept on pulling us out and and out and out. If you pull you out a little bit, and then you've got to go sideways around it. That's what you've got to do to get out of the rip. We didn't know that. Finally, finally, we saw a massive swell coming. Finally, we thought this is our chance to get out. And this big swell came, and this big wave came. And I said, Nigel, just get on the wave. Just get on the wave. So we finally get on this wave. And I look across and Nigel's trying to stand up on his surfboard. he's never surfed, before. he's trying to stand up on his surfboard. Nigel get back on the surfboard, what are you doing mate, just get on the surfboard and just, let's just go down the wave and get in. Finally we got there, we, um, I was able to sort of keep Nigel going straight instead of him falling off and we got back into shore and uh, lived to tell the story, which is what I'm doing now. <laughs> what do you think my mum had to say <laughs> when we got back onto shore? What do you reckon my mum would have had to say? <laughs> she was actually very grac- grateful that we were still around, and <laughs> that she, was, um, she embraced us. But you can imagine the pain, the, the fear, the hurt, all that sort of stuff that my ignorance had put onto my mum. I, I wonder what words of advice you would have given Nigel and myself as we trudged back <laughs> into shore, totally exhausted. What words of advice would you have given her, ourselves? us. Because mum's advice, my mum's advice, was don't do it again. Fair advice. (laughs) It's fair advice. But it was gracious advice still, because she didn't say you're never going out surfing again. She didn't say that's the end of all of that. She just said, now you've learnt. Now you've learnt. Don't do that again. See, a mother's advice, now most of the time... I can't say it categorically, but most of the time, it stems from the deep love that they have for their children. It's a love that looks beyond themselves and puts a primary concern onto their children. I wonder if there's any closer earthly reflection of the love that God has for each of his children than a mother's love for their children. And I say that because no one's gone through more pain to bear children than the mother. I don't know that pain. (laughs) I'm really glad I don't know that pain. I'm not saying that mums always get it right. I'm not saying that mums are perfect. They're human. But we all know that kids don't get it right all the time as well. We know that aunties and uncles don't get it right all the time as well. They get to be the cool, fun ones. (laughs) And let's not get started on fathers. (laughs) This morning, we're going to look into these verses that Ian read out to us in Proverbs uh, chapter 31. And these verses are, are given some advice that was given from a mother to a son. That's what it is. And whilst the mother is the mother to a king, and the son is the king, we can learn some things from this text. From both, for both men and women, in fact. And that's it's what the text sort of doesn't say that is going to help us understand the text a little bit further. So let me pray and let's get into the text. Some advice from a mother. Our Lord and God, help us to understand this text. This text that sometimes is um, looked over or misunderstood. Help us to unpack it well. Help us to understand it. Give us insight into what you are hoping for us to, to hear today. Thank you, God. Amen. So we're told in the start of Proverbs 31, verse 1, that that it is written by King Lemuel, who is writing down the inspired utterance his mother taught him. So his mum has given him advice. If I was to write down my mum's advice on that day, I would have written down, don't go into a rip. Now you know what a rip looks like. (laughs) This is what he wrote down, um, uh, Proverbs 31. Now commentators, are not convinced as to who King is. Le- Lemuel is. Sounds like some French king, doesn't he? Um, his, ma- his name actually means devoted to God. But there's no evidence of who he actually was or where he actually reigned, what kingdom he reigned over. And now some commentators believe that it could be Solomon himself and his mother, the mother in question here is Bathsheba. But once again, no firm knowledge in this. It doesn't fully matter, though. How we hear it is important. And as we listen to this son sharing the wisdom of his mother, how we hear it and what we can learn from it is really important. There's been lots and lots of commentary around Proverbs 31, and if you Google it, you'll get all different sorts of interpretations. If read through 21st century eyes, it would seem that the depiction of women in Proverbs 31 is of a woman who seems totally idealistic. Almost, well, not even almost, too idealistic, really, for any woman to to imitate. We understand when we start to read it, because even verse 10, it starts with this ambiguous statement. A wife of noble character, who can find? Who can find this wife? It's like, well, there must be a wife out there of noble character, but who can find it? It's an acrostic poem as well. So it launches from this, this initial verse, a wife of noble character who can find, to praise this wife of noble character. So we can presume if that the wife talked about cannot be found, well, who are we looking for? And who are we to be depicting? And if you follow the text, we can see why this uh, woman is going to be hard to find. Firstly, you find that she's working really, really hard. She works hard everywhere. In verse 14, it tells us that she's like a merchant ship, bringing food from afar. In verse 16, she sees a field and buys it and produces a vineyard. She works really, really hard. She works on everything. She rises in verse 15 while it's still night. In verse 18, she looks at making profit on her merchandise. She works with her hands, producing goods in verse 19. And she makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies the merchant with sashes. She's working really hard. You're getting tired just listening to the amount of work she does. But she doesn't just work hard for herself, she works hard for everybody. So verse 12 says, it does him good, it does has him good, the the husband, and not harm him all the days of his life. She looks after the servant girls in verse 15. In verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. These are people she may not even know. She's working hard, and she's working hard for others as well. In verse 21 and 27, she looks after her household. She's working and working and working. From dawn, and verse 15 says, she works hard from dawn. She rises while it's still night, and she works hard until dusk. Her lamp does not go out at night, in verse 18. That's a big ask, isn't it? What we see of this perfect woman is not the stereotypical woman of, say, 50, 60 years ago. Now, Housekeeping Monthly in May 1995, allegedly, now this is allegedly, I found a little thing saying this may not be real, it might be a, a mock-up, but allegedly wrote an article to help the stereotypical wife of the 50s be able to love and respect their husbands well. There are things in it like, when he returns to work, have dinner ready for him from a busy day. I think I might have said this before. I feel like I have said this stuff here before. The other, another thing he says, the, the, the article says, says, prepare yourself. Make sure you have a rest before he comes home and be refreshed. He's had a big, busy day. He's going to be tired. Another thing it says, it says, be interesting for him. It's your duty to provide a lift from his boring day at work. Prepare a fire for him when it's the colder months. Put his slippers on his feet. <laughs> no one does that? Oh. Sorry, Solari. <laughs> no, I'm taking You don't do that. Um, it says, make sure the kids are washed and their hair brushed and change their clothes for his return. It goes on and on, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And worse. If, if you lived in the 50s, if you are a housewife in the 50s, I'm, I'm sincerely sorry if that was your <laughs> reality, it may not be a real article. I'm not sure, but um, yeah. But I'd love to hear some experiences at some stage. But our 1950s housewife doesn't represent the ideal woman of Proverbs 31, does it? It doesn't come even close. In fact, it's not a stretch to suggest that the patriarchal system of the ancient world didn't fit the ideal woman of Proverbs 31. Today's wife doesn't fit the ideal woman of Proverbs 31. So what's it all about? Because our ideal woman of Proverbs 31 seems seems very different to maybe what women are today. And that's not a, a, a slight on anyone. It just seems like a big ask to be a Proverbs 31 woman. And this is the problem we lie with, that we have with this text. Namely, if we're to preach that a wife should strive towards every vir- virtue of the woman of Proverbs 31, then the bar is so high that I wonder if anyone's ever going to make it. I wonder if we're just setting women up for a fall. Men are going to be looking for a super unrealistic superwoman and will be disappointed when she doesn't show up. So we're going to ask, who is this wife? And where do we find her? Proverbs is part of a genre called wisdom literature. Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, they all fall into this genre of wisdom literature. They are aimed at helping to address what it looks like to have a wise and faith-filled life. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, um, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes do this in a very practical way by having just short little statements to help us to understand how to live out our life. So, the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, puts much of its wisdom in the mouth of a woman. Woman, wisdom, wisdom, woman. And, and this woman, actually, wisdom is actually Greek for uh, the, the Greek word for wisdom is Sophia. So, so, people have added the name, or the church has added the name Sophia to this idea of wisdom. So in 2019, I went with my parents on a, on a silo art tour. Has anyone done the silo art tours out, out in the country, sort of Victoria? No one? Oh, very well worthwhile. It's amazing. Like The big silos, that, the wheat silos and that sort of thing, they just have art all over it, Australian art and all that sort of thing. But anyway, we ended up, um, it's all, we went all around Benalla and sort of up sort of that end. And we ended up in a small town called Gurumbat. Now, has anyone heard of Gurumbat? Yeah, a few people. Yeah, a few people. Yeah, has anyone been there? You, been across the Gurumbat? Yeah. Well, Gurumbat has a population of about 347. Very small town. You blink, you miss it. But it has got this tiny, uniting church. And it's got this massive mural of Sophia. Wisdom. It's incredible. If you go to the next slide. Sorry, I'll put you on the next slide, Joe. Um, that's, that's the... You can see... I think that's Jasper sitting in the front seat, now, uh, front pew there. Now, you can see the size of it compared to little Jasper. He was um, a couple of years earlier than, than this. We went a couple of years ago. But this mural is actually breathtaking. It's huge. It's the whole front of the church. It's like if we had a mural on this whole panel here, that's what the mural would be, the size of the mural. It's It's massive. Now, this is just an artist impression. There's no obvious female name, Sophia, that, that um, is the wisdom person. But perhaps the writer of Proverbs 31 was, instead of trying to say this is what the ideal person is to be, was actually giving us a picture of the wisdom of God. Woman wisdom. Proverbs 8 depicts woman wisdom. It says, she does, does, not, um, does not call, does not wisdom call, and understanding raise her voice, on the heights beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand, beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries out, to you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all who live, O simple ones, learn uh, uh, prudence, acquire intelligence, you who lack it, hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, I will speak noble things, do we hear that in our reading? The wife of noble character in Proverbs 31.10. Perhaps we're not today expecting our wives to be the epitome of the Proverbs 31 woman. Now there's things in Proverbs 31 that we'd love all our ladies to be moving towards and, and, um, and sort of trying to um, sort of work through, just as we would love men to be Christ-like in all that they do, men and women. But young men looking for the ultimate girlfriend. Don't expect your wife in waiting to work for you 24 7. Rather, the wisdom of this woman can speak to all of us, to men and to women, who are called to follow a leading, to call to follow her ultimate wisdom. I mean, we all want to see the best for our family, just like the woman in um, Proverbs 31. We all want to work hard and be rewarded for it. Those who are savvy, get profit. We all want to see this. But the final exhortation of Proverbs 31 is the most important. And it wraps it all up nicely. Because it says in verse 30, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's the key to the rest of the virtuous woman, the fear of God. But what does this mean for Mother's Day 2022? What insight does that give for us today? Is there anything that we can learn regarding who we are as people of faith, women of faith, men of faith, daughters of faith, sons of faith? Is there anything that we can learn from the mother's wisdom? Well, we've already looked at some of the virtues of Psalm, uh, Proverbs 31. But perhaps a more telling part of the story is what's not written in Proverbs 31 and what's not written about women. So to finish the sermon today, my hope is that we can explore three things about women that Proverbs 31 actually doesn't say. And I hope that it will be an encouragement for you to be a mum, auntie, sister, daughter, who is faithful to our lord. So three things that, that are not written in Psalm 31. Firstly, a wife's worth is not derived from her husband's worth. That's not written in Psalm in Proverbs 31. It doesn't depict the wife's worth to have to come from the worth of her husband. There's nothing in the text to suggest that who she is is based upon the submission to her husband as the head. Now in the ancient world we in the ancient world this would have been unheard of. This would have been, uh, that would have been just the basis, submission. However, we find this wife as independent as anyone, pursuing her own projects, making her own living, being provider for family. Her identity is not wrapped up in the marriage that she's in. Her identity is actually wrapped up in the fear of the Lord. It comes back to who she is, her total identity. One of the characteristics of God that I strongly value is that God doesn't discriminate. God doesn't discriminate male over female. There's nothing in the Gospels that tells me that God favours men over women or women over men or that women are a byproduct derived from men. You know, Eve was created from man. We know that. Yet Eve was created in the image of God not in the image of man. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's handiwork. Each one of us are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared, prepared in advance for us to do. Each and every one of us, created individually by God for the purposes of God. Each one of us must seek to follow the purpose of God. Our worth is in Christ, not in our spouse, and this is for men and women, not in our spouse, not in our heritage, not in our family tree. Our, our, our worth is not based on what culture tells us it should be based on. It's not based on anything but Christ. You know, marriage actually places a, a special bond into this, though. Now, Solari and I have always sensed God's direction in leading us together. We sort of say, sort of make decisions together, a lot of things that we do uh, together. So major decisions in our lives, we've prayed together, we've sought God together. We seek to support each other as God's cherished creations and live in a way that, that God in, in each individual comes through clearly. Seeing how God's using Solari this year as a teacher has been just a blessing and seeing her flourish in her teaching has been an absolute blessing seeing the gifts that she uses as a teacher is amazing. We're blessed together as we serve our local neighbourhood. God uses the marriage to almost build up both of us within the kingdom of God. Not one over the other. Second thing that's not in the text is a wife is not actually defined by motherhood in this text. In the ancient world, a woman was a child-rearer. It was a key part of a woman's life. Now, mothers, I thank you so much for what you put into your children's lives. And, and Jeanette's hearing you speak this morning. You can hear that, that, the, the emotion in the, that comes through and just talking about rearing a child and, and that. But much of the definition of who a woman was was that they raised children. Now, this passage in Proverbs 31 doesn't say that that's a virtue. It doesn't bring that into it. We're told in verse 28 that, that her, her children rise up and call her happy. But it doesn't say anything about the virtue of her making sure that she does this or, this or this or this or this or this for her children. There's no direct mention of motherhood as a key virtue to who she is. Now, motherhood is so important. And the way that mothers care for their children is it's a... It's an, a, a, a It's such a blessing to our children. But the passage doesn't make motherhood the main virtue of a woman. Throughout the passage, we hear of her seeking, buying, providing. She's not idle. But the key comes back to verse 30 that she is a woman who fears the Lord. A woman who fears the Lord. The third thing we don't hear in the passage is a wife's virtue doesn't lie in physical appearance. At all. Through this passage, there's nothing that describes what she looks like. There's no focus on how tall she is, on her hair color, on her body shape, or what clothes she wears, or what makeup goes with her skin tones, or anything like that. The writer doesn't see this as important in the whole scheme of the virtues. In fact, verse 30 says, Beauty is vain. It doesn't say anything about her appearance. So, what this passage leaves out. Gives us a view at the countercultural message that comes through the virtuous woman. And each of those omissions in the text have, have spoken volumes into the society in which uh, the readers would have lived, but also into our society. Women still get discriminated against in the workforce, in community standings uh, where domestic violence is still rampant, just even on our doorstep in the last two weeks in Croydon where women are now able to forge careers amid having, uh, having children, fathers becoming more hands-on and even spending more time staying at home as staying-at-home dads. Where body image and shaming has become a huge issue, especially for our young girls, as they navigate what society expects them to look like. Yet the hope is that the gospel is an upside-down gospel, and through this proverb, we start to see God's wisdom, not just for women, but for a kingdom that is equal, a kingdom that doesn't discriminate, that doesn't put one above the other, because God's kingdom is a kingdom of equality. So grandmas, mums, aunties, sisters, daughters, live as women who fear the Lord, first and foremost. Knowing that in Christ, you do not need to live at a level that perhaps society dictates you to live at or that your friends tell you you should live at. Rather, live free in Christ. And then, if you're able to, become a mum assistant for your kids. They'll love it. Let me pray. Have a great Mother's Day. Let me pray. Our Lord and God, we thank you for the verses that yeah, challenge us, that maybe set out some of the virtues that we want, we'd love to see our mothers be, our wives be. But Lord, we thank you so much that the virtue that we long for in all our ladies is that they fear the Lord, just as every man should fear the Lord as well. God, we thank you for this, this passage that stretches us, that challenges us, that makes us ask questions. But we ask our Lord that we may be people who are in Christ first and foremost. Lord, we, pray, we thank you for all of our mums. We thank you for each one of them here today, each one of them online. And we ask that today may be special maybe even through hurt and pain, that they may find you and that you may give them a blessing through you. In Jesus' name, amen.